DiscerningHearts.com presents Building a Kingdom of Love, Reflections with Monsignor John Essif. Monsignor Essif is a priest of the Diocese of Scranton, Pennsylvania. He has served as a retreat director and confessor to St. Teresa of Calcutta. He continues to offer direction and retreats for the Sisters of the Missionaries of Charity. Monsignor Essif encountered St. Padre Pio, who would become a spiritual father to him. He has lived in areas around the world, serving in the Pontifical Missions, a Catholic organization established by Pope St. John Paul II to bring the good news to the world, especially to the poor. He continues to serve as a retreat leader and director to bishops, priests, and sisters, seminarians, and other religious leaders. Building a Kingdom of Love Reflections with Monsignor John Essif. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. What is on your heart today, Monsignor? Oh, very, very happy today. Today is Holy Family Sunday. Mm-hmm. You're my holy family. I'm I'm finding it here in Omaha. Oh my goodness. Well, we can't even measure up to the one who lived in Nazareth all well, just, those years just ago. Keep, keep using them as a model and keep trying. All of us fail to be mm-hmm. according to that model, but that really is something that you're striving for. Thank you for your encouragement. We're very, very blessed. There's that scene in Les Mis when Jean Valjean is in the carriage with Cassette, and he's singing about how his life has changed. Something's happened because of the presence of this little one. And, you know, I think that's what it is when you have children. All of a sudden, the focus, ideally, I think that's the gift of it. It's no longer about I, but it's about them. I have a niece. And we're at a wedding, and it was maybe about four or five years since she had been married. Now she had three children. I said, well, like, what's the difference? She said, well, I used to get up and say, what am I going to wear? And uh, what kind of uh, dress will I put on? And she said, now it's, what do they need? <laughs> and what do I have to do here? And what am I going to get? How, how are they going to get dressed? And so that pull is out of yourself. And it's it's really magnificent what children do and uh-huh. they're demanding and uh-huh. they have needs they don't get up in the morning and ask you how you're feeling they're screaming crying i'm hungry so feed them i was hungry and you fed me i was thirsty you gave me to drink i was naked and you clothed me so that marvelous exercise of taking care of jesus and taking care of your children i would like to do the readings they, they seem so important for holy family this year. The first is from Sirach. God sets a father in honor over his children. A mother, authority, he confirms over her sons. Whoever honors his father atones for sins and preserves himself from them. When he prays, he is heard. It's a great reward we get for keeping the fourth commandment. He stores up riches who reveres his mother. Whoever honors his father is gladdened by children, and when he prays, he is heard. Whoever reveres his father will live a long life. He who obeys his father brings comfort to him and to his mother. My son, take care of your father when he is old. Grieve him not as long as he lives. 
even if his mind should fail, be considerate of him. Revile him not all the days of his life. Kindness to a father will not be forgotten. Firmly planted against the debt of your sins. A house raised in justice to you. Isn't that an interesting emphasis on that fourth commandment? Honor your father and your mother. Mm-hmm. It's a challenge today in some ways. I think the proliferation of nursing homes, the kinds of decisions that families have to make between caring for your children and caring for your parents. The problem then becomes when you have children who are in need of care, education, then that strain between caring for your children and then your parents. Haven't you found that to be a case? Oh, yeah. It's going to be problematic in our society. You see, we call God Father. And he is the Father of all. But then you called your earthly dad Father. And actually, Jesus in one of the texts said, Call no man Father on earth, because you only have one Father who is in heaven. So he was teaching us a very deep thing. Your earthly dad is your earth father, and he's not your heavenly father who created you and who made your soul to be with him forever in heaven, who who made that immortal part of you. Your parents cooperated in making your body, but your earthly family did not in any way give this creative power which only God can. And so therefore, Jesus said, we only have one father. And that's the God and Father of us all. Anyway, in in that, I remember when I was in fourth grade, my marks went down. And I was always at the top of my class. God had gifted me. I, I loved school. I learned quickly. But in fourth grade, my marks went down. I brought my report card home, and my father began to really yell at me. And every time... I brought my report card home. So after a while, I didn't know what I was doing. And he actually became abusive. And he was saying, what are you, dumb? And are you stupid? I was very hurt. In fifth grade, I went for a brief time to a public school because I always went in Catholic school. Catholic schools did not have health programs, but public schools did. And in the public school, I had an eye examination. And it was discovered that I had 2,200 vision. I was legally blind. And I needed and could have correction of my vision to 2020 if I would get prescription lenses. My dad took me up and we got the lenses. And I never forget what it was like to put on a pair of glasses. See, I did not know I was not seeing what was in my environment. And as we came home, I had gone up and down Main Street, South Main Street particular, and I was looking at all the marquees and the, the advertisements on the buildings and the neon lights. And I thought, my God, is this what everybody's seeing? I hadn't seen it. And so with the correction of lenses, I went to school. I could see the blackboard. 
I could see the assignments, and my marks went right back up. The day I put my report card in fifth grade on the kitchen table, my dad was looking through the window, and I was outside playing in the yard. And I remember the smile on my dad's face as he looked at me, and I remember the anger I felt toward him. I thought, you don't love me. That's actually, I thought, you only want me to be smart. But if I was dumb, you would never love me. I have to be up to your expectations, and everything I do is for your honor. But you really don't care for me as I am. See, that's the kind of love I believe every one of us have a desire for. I want to be loved for who I am, not what I do. And it began to grow in me. So no matter what accomplishment I would do or make, and my father would honor me with, I would think, he just is doing that because I'm bringing him the glory, but he doesn't really care for me. That attitude built up in me, sixth grade, seventh grade, high school, whatever distinctions I made, I actually be, I was valedictorian of my class. I could really feel that distance growing internally with my father. Externally, I was rather compliant, but internally, I was feeling very angry toward him. This went on right through, through seminary, even when I discovered that Christ dwelt in me. I still had this division in myself, but it brought me one day, two years after I was ordained, to want to have a talk with my dad, an honest, open talk about the way I felt. And I said to my father, you never love me. You just love yourself. And then I went back and named every event that I thought he just loved himself. And he stood there. It was in our backyard. He had been digging in the garden. And now tears were coming down his eyes. And it looked as if I had punched him right smack in the heart. And here's what I said to him. You never hugged me. You never kissed me. You never told me you loved me. And he put his big arms around me. He was a very strong man. And he drew me to his chest. And he said, I'll never let a day go by that I won't tell you how much I love you. And he never did. The problem, I think, in so many families is, especially with fathers, and St. Paul points it out there, fathers, he points out, don't be so harsh with your children. They might become discouraged. You see, your dad isn't God. And what I find the greatest wounds in families of today are father wounds. So many children feel their fathers are distant, unconcerned, uncaring, self-centered, self-reliant, and unconcerned. And uh, that kind of woundedness that grows in a child. And yet, how important it is that that family wound 
needs a hero, St. Joseph. Today, the marvelous, marvelous Holy Family example for the kinds of attitudes that some families have in fathers of self-reliance, self-centeredness, self-serving. St. Joseph is obedient, humble, just, servant. And think of him today as we read the gospel for the Holy Family. And that, that magnificent example that Joseph and Mary have for Jesus. And that magnificent of Jesus-centeredness, which every family on earth could have. You have your nativity set still with you. And how important it is this year that we think of and pray around the Holy Family. So many times in modern society and family where this obedience and humility and service is going to be challenged. I believe those of you who have parents, especially if their minds are failing and their bodies are weakened, and you're listening to this on Holy Family Sunday, and your father is now in a nursing home because maybe reluctantly you had to take him to a place. You heard him say, I don't want to be here. I want to go back to my house. And in your heart, you know, he can't take care of himself there. How torn you might be that you had to leave him there in that nursing home. How important it is that if you've made this decision, and I know some of these are the most difficult decisions, and it's not abandoning them or dumping them off in a nursing home, but it's really what modern society has come to, that there's no one to take care of your aging parent, and they have to go to a facility where they're going to have to be taken care of. Or even a child of yours, I'm going to go to a visit of family, that their child might be better cared for in a facility because of the nature of the blindness of the child. child has no eyes. And they, because of what he might get better care than he would at home. If that could be the decision that you have to make of a child of yours. Families are so burdened today because of the need of making a living, the need of every person working so we don't have a lot of people around the house who can care for an aging parent. The nursing homes and the societies like, for instance, the Latin American, where they have so many people in their home that they don't understand why Americans have to send their parents to nursing homes. They simply don't understand that difficulty that we have. And you love your parents and you want to care for them, but sometimes it is better for them to be in a facility than to be in their own homes where they can't care for themselves 
and you aren't able to care for them because of the no mobility of the American family. We don't always live in the same neighborhoods. We don't always are surrounded by the families and the extended family we had. And so uh, because of work, you had to go to another city or town or area of the country, and you left parents behind. I know in Scranton, there are so many parents who have been left behind in their homes and now can't take care of them. And they are so reluctant to want to go to a nursing home. But it seems to for, for them to be the only choice. I think that's a, a very, what is our American situation. But it is true with regard to caring for a family. My, my grandfather always used to tell the story that he had died. And then my grandfather told me the story. There was an old man who became very feeble. The daughter-in-law began to badger the son, get rid of him. He's just too much. I have all these children to take care of, and I can't take care of him and take care of the children. And day after day, she would tell him, you have to do something. So one day, he put his father in a wicker basket and took him down by the seashore. And he was abandoning him there. And as he left him on the seashore, he was walking away with a heavy heart. And the father called after his son. He said, son, you forgot something. And he said, what's that, dad? He said, you forgot the basket. Take it home with you so that your children will have something to bring you here in when you get old. And the gist of the story was, as you treat your parents, so you are teaching your children to treat you. Your children are watching you, and that's what you're teaching them, of the respect and reverence to teach you. Monsignor, yes. our families are so fractured today. I saw a recent survey of children, their desires for Christmas, and one in ten wanted a dad for Christmas. Mm-hmm. We're so broken yes. in our families today because of divorce, because of so many different elements. How will we make it that loving communion possible in the world, if not in the family? I, I really believe that... Uh... Those of you, especially who are fathers, all, all fathers, to recognize that this love that you have for your own children has to somehow extend out and radiate out to others. I, I met these wonderful dads. They, they have like a, a characteristic protectiveness, a love, and a care for children. And that's why I would offer St. Joseph, as an example, of when I was working in the projects, it, the, the, the person that was most absent was the father. Mothers hardly ever abandoned their children. They might have them out of wedlock. He, and then, then the grandparents, whose grandmothers were so strong. But it was the absence of the father. And uh, when I would play football with them, or just talk with them, or be with them, just presence, tell stories, play with them. The magnificent attraction of what that was for me as a priest 
as a father, that how important it is, you know, how, how horrible a scandal I feel when my brothers have taken advantage, uh, you know, the sexual abuse scandal that has, has tarred the priesthood and all others who are reaching out and have an influence with children. I was in a home, it was, this was back, oh, almost 40 years ago now. It was in a housing project. And uh, in one of the housing projects here in Scranton, and I was walking along the street one day. I still remember it was in Ash Wednesday. This little boy came up to me. His name was Wayne. And he said to me, hey, mister. I said, yeah, kid. He said, do you got a gun? I said, no, I don't have a gun. What do you want a gun for? He said, I want to protect my mother. I said, uh, what's wrong? He said, my mother is scared. She's really being attacked. I said, well, can I help? And I went to his house with him, and there was his mother, completely and totally paranoid, crouching behind a couch in her own home and frightened that she was going to be attacked. She was obviously psychotic. And so I got her in touch in the mental health unit, and it wasn't very long before we had her admitted into the psychiatric ward. I came home to their house, and I found out this little lad was about seven. He had a brother, 13, and he had a sister, 11. I began to make a search for their father. I couldn't find him. I began to make a search for a grandparent. And after a while, I found one of the grandfathers, and he didn't want anything to do with them. He wanted, he, he had washed his hands of, the, of this family. So unable to contact the agencies at that time, I would never do this today, never. But I did then. I had a group that I work with. We bought some food. I moved in. I took each of them to school the next day, told their teachers about what they had been through, and was tell all their guidance counselors in the schools that they were, and came back and, again, tried searching for someone to take care of them. It wound up anyway that I stayed with him about 10 days, trying to get things straightened out. And I was remember just maybe in the kitchen cooking. They had warmed up to me like I was their father. And there came a knock at the front door. And my goodness, this guy walked in and he was furious. And I heard him say to me, what have you done with my children? And I thought, this is the father. So my first reaction was, where the heck were you? Why did you take so long to get here? But I calmed down and I explained to him what I was doing there and all the everything that I had done. And in no way had I harmed them, but only wanted to care for them. I've, I've thought of that so many times. My beloved fathers, one day there's going to come a knock at your door. 
and that's going to be death. And the father of your children is going to show up and he's going to say to you, what have you done with my children? All of us are going to be responsible to the father for what we've done to his children. Your children are not your children. God loaned them to you. He is their father. And Jesus is the only one who can teach us how to respond to the father. And so if you want to be a good father, then you have to be a good son. When you know how to be like Jesus was with his father, then you're going to be able to be a good father to your son because you will have been loved by the father and then know how to love your son. You would have been disciplined by your father and then know how to gently and patiently discipline your son. You would have been forgiven by your father and then know how to forgive and care for your children. I think the most beautiful gift that you can have on this Holy Family Day is all of you fathers and mothers to be good children of God, and then he can teach you how to be good parents to your children. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, this trinity of love on earth, and you have them right there in your manger scene, the Holy Family. And this prayer that I learned so long ago on Holy Family Sunday, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, I give you my heart and my soul. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, I give you my heart and my soul. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, I give you my heart and my soul. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Monsignor. You've been listening to Building a Kingdom of Love, Reflections with Monsignor John Essif. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com, or you can find it within the free Discerning Hearts app. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission which is to offer rock-solid and authentic spiritual formation freely to souls around the world. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for Building a Kingdom of Love, Reflections with Monsignor John Essef.